Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stick around as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, remember to subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of February 28th, including... Doug Ford taking more control over appointing judges... Research showing anti-blackness in appraisals for the first time in Canada. The passing of reggae legend Bunny Whaler. Parents of black children launch a new racism reporting tool. Trustees in York Region vote to rename a school after a beloved Somali Canadian. Amazon employees are organizing for a union. Why you should care. And plenty more. To kick off our politics segment, We thought we'd start by spending some time alerting you to some sly changes Premier Doug Ford is making it on the low to our criminal justice system. The Ford government is changing the process for appointing judges by creating a longer list of potential judges to choose from while giving more power to the Attorney General to pick the members of the arm's length committee as opposed to members being picked by the associations they come from. It's a situation being described as the government fixing something that ain't broke though Doug Downey, Ontario's Attorney General, says the changes will enable him to fill judgeship vacancies more quickly, which should help more cases be heard quicker in our highly clogged up court system. In terms of creating that longer list, at the moment, the committee, called the Judicial Appointments Advisory Committee, can recommend just two candidates for each bench vacancy. But the new changes will increase that minimum number to six. Sounds like a dilution of the process, doesn't it? The irony is that when the AG was asked what was to stop him from simply picking conservative-friendly judges from the list, he said the committee is, quote, the important part of the integrity of the system, end quote. But that's the same committee he now wants to have more control over. Regarding choosing the members of the committee, right now three members are chosen by the Law Society of Ontario, the Ontario Bar Association, and the Federation of Ontario Law Associations. But the new changes put the decision in Downey's hands alone, merely giving the aforementioned groups the chance to make recommendations. And this shouldn't be taken lightly either, since it's the provincial government that appoints judges to the Ontario Court of Justice, which handles the majority of criminal charges laid in the province, as well as many family court cases. The very same cases where we know Blacks and Indigenous people are overrepresented due to conservative thinking, like mandatory minimum sentences. Then there's the question of why to Ross the provincial government is focused on this when there are more pressing issues to address. As Scott Maidment, president of the Advocates Society, which is a nonprofit association of judges and lawyers, says, quote, We have a pressing problem in legal aid. Large and increasing numbers of people are appearing self-represented before the courts. That's madness. 
We have challenges in getting proper funding for the administration of justice in the superior court, which is the responsibility of the provincial government, end quote. So thoughts on this, Patience? I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself in terms of what Scott Maidment ended with. There are so many bigger fish to fry and to spend all of this energy fixing something that seems to be working well for everyone else who's in the system is kind of wild to me. I, I think that this is kind of typical of of the, the, the conservatives, though. They're going to say that they're doing this for the betterment of people, mm-hmm. um, but really they're doing this so they can have more control over who gets appointed to the bench. And if we've learned anything from Trump and his reign or his reign in, in government uh, south of the border, we've learned that this is a piece of of the judicial system that we should hold on to very, very tightly. The more we allow for patronage appointments and for governments of the day to have control over decisions that last, I mean, if we're lucky 10 years, if we're not lucky 20, 25 years, if we don't kind of get, get, keep hold on that, then we're doomed. What do you think? I, I, uh, I hear that and I agree. I agree completely. For the record, uh, the opposition NDP in response said, quote, if this is the way for the government to have more nepotism, to have more of their friends appointed to positions like the bench, that's frightening, end yep. quote. And they've got a point. Since this is simply a continuation of, of patronage appointments this PC government has made since coming to power. Among the list, Ford's friend Ron Taverner to be commissioner of the OPP, which Taverner eventually turned down. Good. Then there was the defeated PC candidate who was named chair of EQAO <laughs> on an annual salary of $140,000. And by the way, if I remember correctly, the salary for that role before that was like 32000 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Or Ruben Devlin, a veteran hospital CEO and former president of the Ontario PC party, who was named Ford's special advisor on healthcare, a position that did not previously exist at an annual rate of $348,000. He's getting paid more than the premier himself. Honestly. (laughs) Make it rain. Make it rain. (laughs) Jumping to the Canadian economy. You've heard of driving while black, which implies that the main reason for a driver being stopped by police is because he or she is black rather than because of an actual violation. Well, there's such a thing as owning while black, too. What is it, you might ask? It's the racist burden that black homeowners face when appraisers, usually white, undervalue the home, you guessed it, because the owner is black. And it happens all over the GTA. This past week, the CBC released the results of a marketplace investigation, and it painted a pretty sobering image for anyone who still can't wrap their heads around the extent to which anti-Black racism exists, even in one of the most multicultural milieus on the planet. How did CBC uncover the racist tomfoolery? They sent three CBC employees who were white, Black, and South Asian to pose as homeowners of the same detached house in Oakville. Two appraisals were booked for each fake homeowner, and the visits were documented with hidden cameras. And what did they find? There was an enormous variation in appraisal value for the black homeowner alone, far more than for her white and South Asian counterparts, 
meaning that the black homeowner wasn't being treated consistently or fairly by appraisers. The first appraiser's quote for the black owner was $1.7 million, which was the lowest of the six appraisals and automatically means he or she is racist as fuck <laughs> and CBC should out them. The second appraiser gave an estimated value of just over $2 million, which was the highest of the six appraisals, a difference of $350,000. Yeah. And get this, turns out that when CBC reviewed their hidden tape, it was only the black homeowner that was asked twice, no less, if they owned the home. And guess which appraiser asked? The first one, Mr. or Mrs. Racist. <laughs> For the record, the South Asian homeowners, two estimates had a $65,000 difference, while the white homeowners, two estimates had the smallest inconsistency of just $25,000. And this isn't just a numbers game either. It has a real-life implication on anyone trying to refinance or buy a new, since consistency across appraisals is ideal. Yeah. As assistant professor Junia Howell of the University of Pittsburgh also points out, this speaks to the trend she sees where, quote, again and again, white spaces are evaluated as worth more, as more desirable, as more marketable, end quote. Prominent black real estate broker and head of the African-Canadian Real Estate Society, Chuku Ozuruo, wasn't surprised by the CBC's findings, like not in the slightest. In 2018, he was looking to refinance his detached three-bedroom home in Georgetown, just north of Toronto, so he could secure a loan for another purchase, and of course, lenders required appraisals. He had two. The first, he says, was fair. But the second one undervalued the home, especially considering the extensive renovations that he'd made. Chuku explained that during the second or during that second visit, it was his wife who met the second appraiser who, let's say, didn't get the home, not to mention the homeowner, the diligence they deserved. The appraiser was in, barely said a word and left in a hurry. When Chuku called the appraisal company to raise his concerns, he said the supervisor's tone was, quote, dismissive and no change was made to the estimate. In his own words, quote, the reaction I got from this guy wasn't that, hey, you know what, this is a this is this is a professional who's a broker who knows what he's talking about. Nah, it was just there was some fool trying to get a higher amount for no reason. And mm -hmm. quote. In response to the CBC Marketplace investigation, Canada's two appraisal bodies, the Appraisal Institute of Canada or AIC, and the Canadian National Association of Real Estate Appraisers or uh, CN area, both had some bullshit to say, stating that they hadn't received a complaint about racism since 2009 and 2014, respectively. Shut up. Hmm, could it be because many victims tried, just like Chuku, but were dismissed? Yep. And get this, all of the appraisers from the CBC Marketplace experiment worked for the Appraisal Institute of Canada. That's so, annoying. <laughs> so CBC brought it straight to their CEO. It seemed like they had to pull his teeth to get him to appreciate that racial bias was the major factor here. He eventually told Marketplace, quote, we have to work to be better, end quote. Sounds like he's afraid to call it what it is. But hey, what do you think about this, Patience? So this is coming off of the heels of a similar case happening in San Francisco in California, right? Where there's a Black family trying to get an appraisal and their appraisals, they had, they had two appraisals, one where um, it was them uh, in their home with, with pictures of their Black family. <laughs> and then they brought in a white family to put their pictures around the home and to, to be in the home. And the value went up by half a million dollars, right? By $500,000. So 
So the, 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 I'm not, I'm I'm not surprised, but you know what I love about this kind of research, Curtis? What's that? Is that it 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 just shines a spotlight on on Canadians who always say we're not as bad as the Americans. 100%. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We just we're just way better at burying shit so so deep. Like this is a perfect example. $350,000? Mhm. Whereas for white folks, it's 25 and for brown, it's 65. Yeah. Man. And, and Curtis, what I find, and, and this is something that, that I find tricky because I, I do this work like professionally, but you know, when, when we talk about visible minorities or we talk about racialized people or people of color, we're, we're hiding some of the differences between those people of color, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. black people. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that in the last year, we, we've gotten a lot more attention focused on this. Mm-hmm. Black people have a distinct experience. It is different than, 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 than it is for, for East Asians, than it is for South Asians, than it is for Latin Americans, right? Yeah, Th- yeah. These, these are kind of layers of racialization. So I, I'm, I'm, obviously it's devastating to, to hear this, especially, you know, Curtis, both of us are homeowners. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I have a couple white friends on deck who are going to come stage my house. You're going to stand in my house. <laughs> You're going to stand in my house so that I can sell my home because knowledge is power in this space. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, if I would trust an appraiser to to come in, if it was just me who who was who would like to to get a better idea of what my house is worth, you know. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you think? I mean, look, my thoughts are that so the industry is basically saying they're going to self regulate and work toward this and blah blah blah. You know what? I just think there needs to be standardization across the board, and there needs to be government oversight. Full stop. Agreed. Yeah. Like and what I'm what I'm calling for and what you're calling for clearly isn't uncommon either, right? In fact, President Biden down south, he won in part on his pledge to establish national standards and training to curb implicit bias in housing. <laughs> and as Professor Howell said, quote, there are so many parallels between Canada's appraisal industry and the United States. Yeah. It's really hard for me to believe that there isn't a lot of racial bias in appraisals in Canada. Mm-hmm. End quote. So we have a federal election coming up soon. We don't know when exactly, but it's soon. Maybe it should be an election issue here, too. Sounds like a big yes to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Moving on to blackity black black news, 
On Tuesday, March 2nd, advocacy organization Parents of Black Children launched their school racism reporting tool. This anonymous tool will equip parents, educators, and staff with the ability to have matters tracked without needing to rely on the school itself. Parents of Black Children will even release updates with aggregate data on a quarterly basis. So why is this needed? Well, as Charlene Grant and Kiri Daniel told us when they came to the drip, the burden of proof is often on the parent when they bring a claim to the school. And without proper reporting tools, sound data does not exist. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that without an anonymous platform, educators and staff who work for the institutions are often reluctant to report incidents because they're fearing reprisals such as you know, lack of promotion, sabotage, or lack of support from their administrators. This, of course, will allow school boards to act like they had no idea and dismiss anti-Black racism, just like what we just heard in the previous story uh, when it comes to the appraisals industry and, and real estate. The launch of Parents of Black Children's reporting tool comes out on the heels of a first of its kind report by the TDSB's Human Rights Office that found, quote, a serious racism problem, end quote, with the board with reports of anti-Black racism exceeding all other hate incidents documented by a landslide there in the past year. I was about to say, sounds about white. Yep, sounds about white. (laughs) Also a day before the Parents of Black Children launch, the province launched their Black Advocacy in Schools program, saying that it will invest $6 million over the next three years to support Black students in various ways, including through leadership programs, scholarships, and job placements. Any thoughts on that, Curtis? I think it's excellent that, um, you know, there are more and more organizations. uh, Certainly that came, well, hold on, I was about to say that came out of George Floyd's murder. They did not, but, you know, that were sped up because of George Floyd's murder, and they Mm -hmm. continue to not only speak on the issues, but act on the issues as well um for the betterment of our people so i'm just very happy to hear this news and i hope of course um that it leads to less dragging of heels and more change by our institutions in education what parents of black children is bringing up is something that is you know deeply systemic and some of the things that that, one of the things that bothers me about um some sometimes the way that governments respond to the problem is so the the the, the province has has said that they will invest 6 million dollars over the next 3 years but their their investment is coming at the tail end of someone's educational career uh in terms of kind of that that K to to 12 mm. but what what we're seeing is that grade 12 or or, or high even the, the the last half of high school is too late to invest in black students this is a, a pipeline issue, right? Where at every stage in their education, um, with with higher suspensions, higher expulsions, all of these issues that, that make it harder, that, that, that create barriers for Black children, all of these make it more likely for them to drop out before they reach the point where a scholarship or a job placement or a leadership program will be effective. Mm. And, and that that's really been been bothering me, and I'm not sure, um, you know, if if they've been even looking into earlier interventions. But I I love the idea, of course, of scholarships and job placements and leadership programs. I just wish more would be baked in a little bit earlier in the process, maybe around grade eight, so that we can um, especially, you know, not lose a lot of of, of young men. 
Uh, I know that when I, I, I went to Emory Collegiate Institute for any listeners who are from Finch. Um, <laughs> and I remember in grade nine, Curtis, there were probably about a thousand of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, in grade 12, there were about 250. Wow. It's Talk so serious. Out. Yeah. It's such a serious problem. It's, it's like, it, I, I can't, other than presenting, you know, those numbers, I, I can't explain to people how significant this issue is. It's, it's kind of one of those things where unless you see it for yourself, unless you live it, right? Yeah. Trustees in Vaughn vote to rename a high school after Somali-Canadian journalist Holden Nalaye. Excellent news. Honestly, on Wednesday, 10 out of 12 trustees in Vaughn voted to, to rename their high school. This is big because the school was previously named after slaveholder Benjamin Vaughn. And in case you were wondering, yes, Benjamin Vaughn is the Vaughn that Vaughn, Ontario, the, munici- the municipality, is not currently named after. Mm-hmm. Black communities pushed for the high school to be renamed last year, and the trustees responded to their rallying call. So who was Hoden Nalaye? She was a journalist who wrote uplifting stories about the Somali community, but was sadly killed in a hotel attack in Somalia in 2019. Among her peers, she is known as an advocate for community. Notably, Emily Mills from How She Hustles was one of Hoden's peers and is quoted saying, quote, Hoden is an inspiration for all of us. You don't have to be Somali. You don't have to be female. You don't have to be from Vaughn. I think she represents the best of what Canada should be about, end quote. This is extremely uh, noteworthy for me because I'm sure we can still count on one of our hands, if not both of our hands, the number of public schools in the GTA or in Ontario, for that matter, that are named after non-white folks. Hmm. I can think of maybe David Suzuki High School. Um, there, there may be a couple of... Um, Maybe a, a Nelson Mandela or like a, a Martin Luther King, maybe somewhere downtown. But it, there are really there are a really small number of schools in Ontario that are named after non-white folks. So this again is huge. Moving on to news from the world. So I, I don't I don't like to, to pay too much attention to some of these small stories, but this one really made my skin kind of bubble. So I, I want to share with you guys a story about bullying uh, and anti-Black racism from Plano, Texas. So an active investigation is underway by the Plano Police Department over disturbing allegations of anti-Black racism, bullying, and abuse involving middle school students in the town. Here's a story. Summer Smith, the mother of a 13-year-old boy, has posted what is now a viral video on Facebook saying that her son's classmates forced him to drink urine at a sleepover. Christ. She also claims that the sleepover was orchestrated by the kids to purposefully bully her son. In addition to getting the boy to drink urine, the boys who invited him to the sleepover also shot him with BB guns throughout the evening, hit him in his sleep, and called him racial slurs all night long. My blood is boiling. Smith closes by saying that her son was only invited to the sleepover for the, quote, pure entertainment, end quote, of the other children. 
When she reported this to the local school, the school did nothing, and neither did the police department. Wow. Uh, however, after protests started in front of the middle school with students and parents calling for change, an investigation was opened. So that's where this story is, is standing right now. But I just like your blood was boiling. I just, I could not, I, 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 yeah. They got progressively worse and worse. Yeah. It's so scary. I mean, I don't know how your, how your parents were uh, growing up, Curtis, but I was not allowed to go uh, on sleepovers when I was young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my mom was not playing that. Uh, I mean, unless it was like, you know, my cousin, she knew the parents really, really well. Right. Um, and, and, um, you know, like, like, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a black thing or if it's an African thing, but like this story kind of, it, it shows that, that, it's it's so much more dangerous for us to 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 you know let our kids have what are supposed to be normal childhood experiences yep. because um it, it's like it's like you're saying it really puts into perspective because all, all I can think about is is how many times I would be angry with my mom for not letting me go out and sleep over at my friend's house or do whatever with my friends mm-hmm. and quite frankly it's like at that time obviously there are there are good friends but then there are friends you don't really know that well mm-hmm. and effectively what she was trying to protect me from from was was this yeah 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 it really does add a lens yeah. to our reality so an amazon boycott Workers at an Amazon warehouse in Bessemer Alabama have expressed an interest in joining a local union if they are successful, they would be the first group of Amazon employees in the United States to join a union. Their campaign has gained national recognition as President Biden has lent his support to their work, stating on Sunday that, quote, unions put power in the hands of workers. They level the playing field. They give you a stronger voice for your health, your safety, higher wages, protections from racial discrimination and sexual harassment. He also added their, quote, should be no intimidation, no coercion, no threats, no anti-union propaganda from employers. I wonder why he has to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Amazon, clearly one of the biggest beneficiaries of this global pandemic that we continue to live through, is one of the strongest companies in the world. And apparently they have gone as far as putting together an entire anti-union campaign, sending texts, putting up posters in the washroom. Reportedly, Amazon is even working with local officials to change the timing of traffic lights outside of the warehouse so that they um, stay red for a shorter period of time so that organizers that are organizing outside of the warehouse cannot speak to workers while they wait for the light to change. Yo, that's next level. um, level. What's the word I'm looking for? That's next level interference. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yo, for sure. Like, I thought you were gonna say next level like oppression. Cause it's like you don't even, you don't even want like you're you're using the city to to further, you know, uh to further your own uh goals and, and to advance your own goals. Yeah, it's Good crazy. Lord. <laughs> to demonstrate solidarity with the Amazon workers who are organizing, a one-week boycott has been planned from Sunday, March 7th to Saturday, March 13th. So you may be seeing some of these posts and, and things of that nature on social media 
supporters are being asked not to use Amazon, Amazon Prime, or the Amazon Prime video service. And I mean, it's a shame because Coming to America just came out on on the Amazon Prime <laughs> video service. <laughs> but honestly, I'm hearing that it's not that great. <laughs> I have okay. to wait a few days. <laughs> I, 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 I hear that then. Yeah. The 5,800 employees at the Amazon Fulfillment Center in Bessemer have until March 29th to vote on whether to join the retail, wholesale, and department store union. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that. We're in a time of great transition, which can clearly be seen as we let go of so many of the giants who made our world what it is today. From our understanding of the concept of Black liberation to our love of reggae music. Last week, we lost one such giant, Bunny Whaler, affectionately known as Jabi. Hailing from Trenchtown, Bunny's given name is Neville Livingston. He's a founding member of the Whalers, which of course included Bob Marley and Peter Tosh. Mm. Considered one of the undisputed founding fathers of reggae music, Bunny rose from humble beginnings and catapulted to become a giant on the reggae stage. His albums include Blackheart Man, released in 1976, and and Groove, which came out five years later. His hit songs include Cool Runnings, Ballroom Floor, Crucial, and Ballhead Jesus. He's a three-time Grammy winner and has received countless awards throughout his musical career. In 2012, he was conferred with the Order of Jamaica, and then in 2017, the Order of Merit, the country's fourth highest honor. The government again recognized his contribution to reggae music in February 2019 with a Reggae Gold Award. So what good, Fada? And thank you for your gift that you gave the world. That was beautiful. Thanks. Jumping to questions for the audience. So this week I saw an article in the Star pointing out that if Jagmeet Singh had remained deputy leader of the Ontario NDP under Andrea Horvath, Doug Ford would be probably sweating right now. The question is this, with all that we've seen Jagmeet Singh do at the federal level to help Canadians, would we have preferred that he remained one of Ontario's best kept progressive secrets? Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. We now have our own Instagram page dedicated to the podcast. Follow us at The Drift You. Black people, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fissett who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutante. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E for all your graphic design needs. See y'all next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 